We're back in episode four, picking up where we left off on this notion of fear. It's the human connection. A new episode of The Wheelhouse begins right now. We're back. Welcome to Season 5 of The Wheelhouse. I'm your host, Dr. Grant Chandler, CEO of Students Matter. In this season, I'm delighted to again host a roundtable discussion with two of my favorite leaders in education, Penny Brockway and Catherine Money, focused on one of the foundational components of our framework, accomplishment-driven leadership. In season three, we explored the five arenas of accomplishment-driven leadership, how to plot a growth trajectory, and then how to use those arenas to do what matters most, serve our students by growing our people. In season four, we continued exploring ADL in this roundtable, thinking about the paradigm shifts we need to make on our journey to become accomplishment-driven leaders. In this season, we'll continue to explore this new destination, how to talk about it, how to think about it, and how to bring your team with you as you depart on this journey. At Students Matter, we believe it's our priority as educators to prove to each student and each teacher that they are distinctive and irreplaceable. Together, let's continue to step up to this incredibly important challenge and add additional tools and skills right into our wheelhouse. Good morning and welcome back to The Wheelhouse. I'm Grant Chandler and I'm here with my good friends, Kathy Money and Penny Brockway. Good morning, my friends. Good morning, my friends. Good Good morning. Good to see you and hear you. Here we are in the wee hours of the morning recording once again another episode. So thank you for joining me back in The Wheelhouse. Uh, you know, these summer mornings don't seem as uh, as dreary, right? It's so the sun is is starting to shine. It doesn't seem like it's so early, especially when I get to start my day with the two of you. <laughs> you know, I did notice. Exactly. I feel the same. I did notice, though, that, you know, at an early time of the morning, it's a little darker than it was. Oh, stop uh, it. Month hey, now, ago, I was, I was, right? I was I on was a like, happy note here and you just immediately went, go into the other side. I looked no. at that this morning. I opened my eyes and I was like, wait a minute. Stop it. <laughs> it and I was be- going to mention that I was, that it's particularly hard in these summer mornings because I stay up later oh. because, you know, nightlife and darkness doesn't happen and yeah then grant's like and we're on the downside i hate to say that i hate to say that but yeah no the days are still 21 hours long (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) right sunlight for 21 hours so we have a long ways to go before we we get to where we we normally are so hey welcome back to the wheelhouse um you know last week we we were having a great conversation, you know, uh, around how do we how do we talk about this destination and what does an ADL do to to invite people along for the journey and and we you know again these are unscripted conversations and I love their the the organicness and the authenticity of the conversation and you know we ended up talking a little bit about um, this whole idea of you know fear as a barrier and, um, you know, how does an accomplishment driven leader use 
their arenas of action to help combat or, you know, I think in the title, I called it crushing fear in my, my normally dramatic way. But I thought it was really worthy of of talking about that, you know, kind of diving more deeply into, into that barrier because, you know, hey, being an educator at whatever level you're in, you know, whatever your role is in 2023 is tough. And I, I'm I'm not even sure that tough is is appropriately descriptive for for the for the job uh, in 2023. So let's talk a little bit. You know, let's just go there today and talk a little bit more about this idea of fear uh, as a barrier to where an accomplishment driven leader wants to go in terms of that new destination, right? Choosing to go to Boston instead of New York or whatever. Um, where's it come from? Where does this, what is this fear thing that we talked about last week? What is it and where does it come from? I think it's a really good I, question because it's, um, I, I think it's so personal. I think fear is a personal feeling and what it, where, where that comes from is really unique to each person and, and what their experiences are. I completely agree. And I think on the, on one level it is, I think for everybody, there's a little bit of a fear of pushing back against the status quo. Um, because as much as wanting maybe to live on that edge of change and the excitement that that can bring, there's also, um, you know, supposedly the status quo got there because it did something positive or it worked in some fashion, um, or a lot of minds think about it in the same way. And so that's what created it. So why is it that I have something different to contribute or add? And is that going to be okay? So I think just that initial like, ooh, who wants to hear this message or doesn't want to is one level of fear that I think is is present. And I think it's present for most leaders. Um, but I definitely think going against the status quo is part of what accomplishment-driven leaders recognize they're going to have to do. Why is the status quo so strong? I mean, it's comfortable. It's comfortable. Yeah, I think it's comfortable. I think it's, we, I'm not for sure if I've mentioned this before in any of our conversations here anyway, but I, I'm, I'm sure that on a personal level, I've, I've shared this with the two of you throughout our, our, our time as, as friends and colleagues. One of the, you know, things that I was told, I was, I was striving just as an adult, personally, professionally, just to be comfortable. That that to me was the place that I was I was attempting to be. Because if I was comfortable, then then all is well in the world and in every part. And one of uh, the a gentleman that I that I worked with, a mentor of mine, had said the worst place you could be is comfortable. And I thought, well, wait, no, oh, wait a minute. How dare you? <laughs> that's, that, that's what I've been striving for. What do you mean that could be the worst place? And that is, you know, it's probably been 15 years since since Frank said that to me. And it it has just stuck. Because if you're you're comfortable, then you're you're not growing. You're not challenging this world around us. And in in education specifically, we're not 
attempting to do better and better by children, other people's children, and better and better by the adults in which we're, you know, able to work alongside. So that status quo is, is to me, is about comfort. Absolutely. And and I think when you push back against the status quo, the vulnerability is huge. You you have a message different than everybody else, and who are you? And I think there's this real, um, we know it's real, right? That being courageous enough to stand up and say, I think differently about this, um, you're putting yourself out there super vulnerable. And, you know, at the core of who I am, I want people to like me and I want people to um, honor and think about things in the same way I do. I want to think that I'm like others. And I don't think that's unique. <laughs> I don't think that's mm. just Penny. And so it's hard to present something that um, feels different, looks different, sounds different, and asks people to do different work. Um, and and have enough confidence in yourself and have enough courage that you can walk that walk and and you believe it but do you believe it enough to ask others to come along with you i i think that's a level of vulnerability that pushes back against it is exactly what pushes back against status quo right and it's very mm-hmm. lonely at times mhm and i think given the 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 I don't want to say it. the first thing that comes to mind is track record, but it's not. But thinking about the longevity of of leaders, and especially in public education, you know, when you're you're in a in a district and you've got a superintendent that what and and I don't know if this is unique to Michigan or if it's across the the nation that you know two to three years is is really what we you know the the average. <laughs> um, time frame for a superintendent. And so when you think about being in a place that, you know, how how do I become vulnerable? How do I trust when there's this element of fear that you're just going to be another one that's going to leave us, that you're going to try to do, you know, what you think and you want us to go along with you and then you're just going to be gone. So why would I, why would I let this you know, my, my walls down to really believe in and come alongside you and show, you know, demonstrate that discretionary effort. If in turn, you're just going to leave. This is, I I think, uh, such an interesting conversation because, uh, I have, I've never been, so this idea of, of fear, um, to, to go up against the status quo is not something that is, inherent in in my world <laughs> I, I don't have that fear and i understand i understand at one level that it's there right and i totally get it and i totally respect it that it's there in a, a lot in a lot of people and for good reasons and, and all of that but it's not something that i can identify with because i'm not right um i i i push back i always have um i, I push back on the institutions that perpetuate the status quo. I push back on the power um, structures that perpetuate the status quo. Um, I've gone to battle again with them. Um, and I will I will say I've won. Um, 
but this it's it's this urgency for me that you know we can push back on the status quo in little in little pieces you know so that it's comfortable <laughs> but yet there's all of these children that are you know not making it <laughs> and i really struggle i really struggle with with that particular piece you know in my gut even though i totally get i totally get and you know that in a in a superintendent role or something you have to be you have to respect you know i don't have the luxury i have the luxury i should say of being able to push back and say whatever i want because i'm not i'm not answerable to a board i'm not i'm not I'm not running an organization or a district. I'm supporting those who do. Um, so I get, I get it. But it's just a listening to this conversation is always interesting because it's a it's not something that I live with every single day, right? It's not something that I have to that I have to come to grips with. I I struggle more with being responsive enough to this level of urgency that that I I feel. Um, and I recognize that we won't solve the urgency piece unless we bring people along, unless we figure out ways of, of you know, um, moving away from the status quo. And that is that's tricky and tough. So I think this is a this is a really good conversation because you know I think we we scratched the surface of it yet of it last week in, in the episode and I think this is you know kind of ju- jumping down more into the weeds and talking about this you know fear of uh I mean the the the, the many levels that you guys have already talked about it I think is really important I think grant that your ability right to hold that urgency as the utmost of importance for education, no matter what realm of it we think about, um, public or not, that leaders have to hold that urgency if we're really going to meet children um, at the end of their uh, at the end of their learning with us as children and meet them at a place of success. And so, I think you're holding that urgency is what changes. Um, a leader's frame into what an accomplishment-driven leader has to hold. Um, I I don't think it removes the fear that Kathy and I have spoken to or or that I know you understand. Um, I don't think it removes that, but it helps you understand why you have to press forward. It gives you your why, right? And and it does for me and and it does for Kathy or the or the two of us wouldn't be here with you. Um, that is our urgency. I think a lot of that, an accomplishment-driven leader understands that, and they understand the power of believing in the ability for everyone to grow. And I think that's the other thing that that changes your willingness to face that fear, is that you begin to recognize that every human being, all of humanity has such a power within them to grow and to become and to to um, evolve into. Um, and so if we do that together and we work together like that, what could we possibly be, right? And that urgency that helps us recognize why we're doing what we're doing for children, for learners, um, I think those are some of the key components that drive us forward through that fear. 
I absolutely agree. And as you were talking, I was thinking about this, you know, this delicate balance that we, um, regardless of what area of leadership and accomplishment driven leader is in, so classroom all the way through, it's it's this balance of uh, understanding and believing in this urgency because it's it's back to that moral imperative that we've talked about previously and really understanding how do we how do we do that in a way that does bring people along that we're not bulldozing and then we lose them right and then then you have this uh, people, this this fight or flight kind of mentality when we're afraid, and what is what does that look like? And it just makes me think about a conversation that I that I had with really trying to understand, you know, this level of fear and what was going on, and and really taking the time to to listen and can hear truly what it is that they're saying. And it was this element of having to feel like they needed to protect themselves and their colleagues. And I thought, what protect from what? You know, but there was this assumption based on this this fear and past experiences that that I was that I was there as a leader to do harm. And, and in no way would I I mean, do want to do harm to the adults because doing harm to the adults therefore means harm to kids. And it I think we have to we have to listen to really understand what it is, where that fear is coming from. So then we know how to approach and navigate that, right? And how how do we come alongside people if we don't truly understand where, where the, if they don't even understand where that fear is coming from? I think that's so insightful, Kathy, and the, the piece around the listening and the trying to understand. And, and I think when you made the comment, in no way would I do anything to harm adults. Um, <laughs> the adults, the the grown-ups in the setting, the the teachers and the leaders in the setting are um are the very, you know, heartbeat of helping children become who they can become. And yet if you're living within the status quo, some of the changes that have to be made, feel like <laughs> they're harming me, right? Because our status quo has been about creating an organization that's good for adults to come to work. Um, and that's not always the same. And sometimes it is, but it's not always, in my experience, been the same thing as what's good for children as they come to school. And so I think sometimes an ADL can walk into a situation and it very much does feel like um, pushing back against adults in a hurtful way. Um, I think that's why in, in the, um, in the arenas of ADL of accomplishment driven leaders, we talk so heavily about poise. And I remember that with one of the leaders I worked with and, and Grant was supporting um, in that time frame with me and her deep dive into poise and the recognition that, oh my gosh, I think I even remember her saying, did you write this rubric for me, Grant? <laughs> In the sense that holding poise, which I I thought of as the minute you said listening and leaning in and listening and the compassion and the heart that it takes and the love that it truly takes for those individuals in front of you in order to help them face the fact that we've created some of our own barriers as adults because we really created a comfortable seat for ourselves. 
and that's not necessarily serving children well, what do we do about that? Um, man, does that take a lot of compassion and a lot of poise to maintain that ability to to hear and to help them think that through and recognize that. It takes a lot of time, too. Sure does. You know, my response to the urgency of of the student situation was, you know, is always to create to create tools and resources, right? That's what I do. <laughs> so I create tools and resources to help educators respond to this urgency. And because I don't run, I don't run a school anymore, right? I don't, I don't have to do that. Um, I think there are days when I want to, there are days when I want to jump back in. And then there are days when I think that, you know, no, I am better served. People are better served, you know, if I continue to create things, uh, for them. And so, of course, in response to that urgency, I created powerful student care and I created accomplishment-driven leadership as tools, as mm-hmm. tools to help in this fight against, right? I, I use the term fight in a in a nonviolent way, right? In this response to to uh to our ur- urgency. Um so let's just be direct and explicit for just a couple of minutes because we've 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 made a lot of of comparisons but um let's just for the sake of people listening let's just answer this question as directly as you can why is accomplishment driven leadership the solution to crushing that fear y'all said it last week what, but let's, you know, in a sentence or two, why do you think it is the solution? I believe it is because accomplishment-driven leaders, the resources provided to help you recognize that within yourself and grow that, grows a leader who, and and that's what I think about, it's that growth picture all the time. It doesn't ever stop. So that's the other, that's the other piece to it, Grant, that I think has to be there. It's continual growth. And it's a person who believes in the growth of all of humanity, right? You believe in the power of team. You believe in the power of learning. You believe in the power of, um, individuals recognizing that for themselves and growing into something they never thought they could be. And I believe that's the foundation of accomplishment-driven leadership. That gives you the courage. Yeah. So humanity, that's the, that's the key word for me, is really understanding um, the humanness. So even in in this world of very tumultuous uh, space and education, and continues to get a, a a bit more difficult. It's about that human connection. And so I have to believe in humanity in order to to truly have the courage to push to to live into this moral imperative of this being absolutely blessed to be responsible for other people's children and understanding that I don't do that alone. I've said this before in our conversations that it takes us all. And so an accomplishment-driven leader, again, regardless of what area of the organization you're in, it's all of us living into that. So those, those arenas, those competencies that really are going to take 
our growth as leaders in order to help others grow, to come alongside them, to put our our arm around their shoulders. I think it really defines accomplishment-driven leaders that the work that you've done, Grant, that you've put together has helped us center ourselves as leaders in order to then help others center themselves. It's really interesting that, you know, just having come off having just come off writing this book called Powerful Student Care and doing a lot of work around describing it and what is it and and all that. And you know, we always talk about um it's not a framework, it's not a it's not an initiative. You know, Kathleen and I call that it's a humanizing approach to 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 teaching and learning. And so hearing you guys use without without a script, right? You're talking about you're talking about the same thing with with you know this is a humanizing approach to leadership right and to driving and navigating an organization um i find that in- just interesting choice of words right interesting choice of words um to to make that connection are you saying then that in our traditional leadership roles and or traditional leadership approaches we're not human. We we've 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 lost sight of the what how is it different? How is how is this humanizing approach in ADL? And this is you know, your opinion, it's all good, right? How do you think that's different from traditional leadership models that we all learn as we you know move into these kinds of roles? How's it different? So, you know, I think it's every single podcast grant, I say, because because it's about each and the tasks and the responsibilities that overwhelm the traditional picture of leadership. um, As much as you may love humanity, and I don't think, I really believe people go into education because they do, Mm -hmm. but it's lost so quickly in the daily grind and the daily routine. And we've not had anything that held the humanity at the top, right? Each each little or big being that's in front of me matters more than the tasks that are at hand that are expected of me or that I expect of myself. Let's be real. Most leaders put many of those things on that list all by themselves. They don't need anybody to tell them. Um, and so I find as I'm working um, with principals that and other leaders, but uh, principals currently um, most wholeheartedly, that they do that to themselves. And their greatest question is, how do I get these things off my list? How do I, how do I conquer them? Or how do I remove them? Or how do I, um, there's not a quick answer to that. (laughs) Just Mm -hmm. FYI. But um, that I, I think that's what our, our um, systems have almost done to us, right? I think we're still very, very stuck in this traditional setting of what it means to be a leader. So having an accomplishment-driven leader as a superintendent, meaning that they're, they are cognizant of each, goes against everything. <laughs> that, that means a superintendent is, is visible, that they're in spaces that they wouldn't traditionally be. And that becomes very uncomfortable. And then that kind of elevates this level of fear. And so busting through what it really looks like to be a leader 
and education, we're still very stuck in this, just stay in your office and, you know, you be that figurehead and, and, and do that. And, and you can't do this work that for kids, for the adults sitting in that traditional role and that, um, <laughs> that freaks people out. <laughs> All of a sudden, like, why are why are why are you here? Why are you in this space? And then then this the barriers come up, and you're truly just trying to to be that that support and working alongside because every child matters, and, and regardless of what your title is in a district, we all have that res- same level of responsibility for each and every child and each and every adult. It's interesting. So last week I was working a lot with trying to create a dashboard of data, right, for the district to look at and um, working with some techie people because, wow, as you both know, not my skill set. And uh, one of the principals I'm working with right now wants to ask the question. Uh, and you'll both, uh, you know, this question came from you, and uh, but wants to ask the question. So how do you know which of your students are on above or below level, right? Whatever content area, whatever, maybe it's even behaviorally, emotionally, feel that sense of belonging, right, that we talk about with, with a powerful student care. Um, how do you know? And um, the question for the data dashboard is how many of your kids are on above or below? So I put that out there on the table with a small team I was working with last week, and there was silence Mm -hmm. from the people who think about data, right? Who think about how to help me create a dashboard that's easy for the administration team to look at. What what do you mean? You're just going to ask them that question? Like, I just want a quick little assessment. I don't care which of these three or four platforms we now have. You put it in. I just want to ask that simple question so that I can collect that data every single month. As we move forward, well, do you, it it has to be attached to kids' names. Oh, I don't need it attached to kids' names. I just need to know the number, right? And so then to be able to help them to listen to their questions about why I wanted that placed on the dashboard and to help them understand that it's not about a piece of data, it's about the child. What a tiny shift in data protocol but what a huge mental shift, right? And so we can go back to that one again. Um, you know, we've talked about it here many times, but it made me think of that, Kathy, as you were talking is, oh, that data conversation where this tiny little shift, it's not about which piece of data they use. I don't, it doesn't matter to me which piece of data or or pieces of data they pull together to determine that. It's about what they know about the child that matters mm-hmm. to me more. I think that's a that's a huge small shift, but there's a thousand barriers in the way to getting to that. Um, to be able to have that conversation as compared to I bring data from the common assessment off the final unit and I talk about it in my collaborative team. I'm all about collaborative teams talking about data, but this isn't about really that one common assessment because I can have a hundred of those and know nothing about the children behind them. We so we, you know, so we 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 see ourselves, you know, um deep in the weeds, right? Thinking about how these little, just little ships, right? Just just thinking about each human is such a such a profound shift that it makes makes people 
you know, makes people uncomfortable because we've never, we've not, we've not really asked them to think about it in that way before. And, you know, Kathy talking about, you know, when an accomplishment driven leader shows up in spaces Mm -hmm. or in conversations where they, where others not, don't expect that leader to be right. That that is, um, kind of throws off the equilibrium and makes people uh, a little bit crazy. So I wonder if what would help, right? What helps, how does an accomplishment-driven leader enter those spaces in ways that don't incite fear, right? Because we enter, we as accomplishment-driven leaders, we enter that space for one purpose, but the perception of, from others as to why we enter that space is very different than than our own intention for going there. And I wonder if that means that we as accomplishment-driven leaders need to talk more directly and explicitly about what kind of leader we are and how we're navigating the ship, right? And why we're in spaces that often we aren't we don't find ourselves in and why that should not be alarming to anyone it should actually be welcomed other teachers and other other educators should be thrilled about the fact that we are entering those spaces and i think that's our topic for our next episode is to really think about how do we make entree into those surprise spaces in ways that uh, minimize fear and help us bring people along for the journey. What do you think? An important an important consideration for episode five? Yeah, I think that's going to be a great conversation because I think it's um it's so needed. What is what does that look like? Because I don't again going back to you can't can't do this work from a from a desk in an in an office. And it's communicated in each action, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes we forget, you know, that we we go places with a very different intention, but people don't necessarily understand that intention. And they respond based on leadership models that they know. And accomplishment-driven leaders are rare. They're new. <laughs> They're developing. And we it makes sense that people don't understand the difference between the actions of an accomplishment-driven leader and the intent uh, of someone who's an ADL versus uh, someone who is not. So thank you very much for uh, joining me today in the wheelhouse. That's our topic for episode five. We'll see you next week. And that wraps up another episode of the wheelhouse. New episodes of Season 5 drop every Tuesday beginning June 20th and running through August 22nd. The Wheelhouse is a production of Students Matter LLC. Our show's theme music, Off We Go, was written and performed by Cody Martin and obtained through Soundstripe.com. If you'd like to explore this topic further and take our online series of four courses, Exploring Accomplishment-Driven Leadership, Or if you have something you'd like to share or a leadership problem you'd like to see us address, drop us a line at registrar at ourstudentsmatter.org. 
You can find me on Mastodon and, of course, stop by our website and check out what we offer at www.ourstudentsmatter.org. You can subscribe to this podcast on either iTunes or Spotify, and it can be also found on many other places where you can get your podcasts or on our website at Captivate, and that's HTTPS forward slash forward slash the dash wheelhouse dot captivate dot fm forward slash episodes. If you like our show, please leave us a review. I'd love to hear what you like. Together, our goal is to continually enhance and utilize our arenas of accomplishment-driven leadership, proving to each student and each teacher that they are both distinctive and irreplaceable as hard work. But being an educator is the noblest of all professions. Until next time, remember, we got this. 